lunatics, you mad people. You want another podcast, don't you? Well, I'm here to serve. This is Jay Floyd. I'm your host for the Grinning Idiot Podcast, and here we go. This week, we're going to talk about something that has been on my mind for a while, a couple of months at least. As I try to interact with people who support the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, I realized um, a lot of them are in a cult. In a cult. I don't say that lightly. I At first I thought when it crossed my mind, oh Jay, you're just being ridiculous. But the more I saw them justifying his behavior and blotting out obvious facts, the more I couldn't explain it any other way. What would make them follow such a person? As of December 16th, 2019, he has made in public 15,413 false or misleading claims, according to the Washington Post. How can people of any moral fiber point to that sort of person and say it's okay for them to occupy the Oval Office? It doesn't make sense. However, maybe it does. People get indoctrinated into cults, and they're real things. So, I, I started poking around, and I found a definition of cults. Like, what sort of things need to be in place for, uh, you know, for a group to be called a cult? Well, uh, let me give you some information off of Wikipedia. Uh, one, there's an authoritarian ruler... The self-appointed rulers of cults have complete and final say. They are usually considered charismatic and charming. They are adored by their followers and are often considered more than human. Two, the identity of the community becomes communal and totalistic. Everyone involved relies on each other and the group's wants and needs become the core identity for each follower. Three, aggressive campaigns and conversion efforts, Fox News, I'm sorry, did I say, oh, what did I say? Oh, conversion efforts are enforced by the authority figures. For most, the fear of heaven and hell prompts members to reach out, but authority figures may also rely on social issues. Any of this sound familiar? Any of it? Hmm. How many? That's 15,413 false or misleading claims. Yeah, I think that person should be president, don't you? I think he should remain president, don't you? It's vexing. It's perplexing. It's deeply distressing to watch our country get torn apart by someone who's not worth the toilet paper one would use to pick him up off the sidewalk. So, this led me to think of a friend of mine who knows a lot about cults, and I wanted to talk to her about it. Um, her name is Ellen Hartwell. Uh, I've known Ellen for quite a while, and she has a story to tell that uh, explains how she came to understand cults and, and how to deal with people who are in them. She's done it um, and has quite a harrowing story to tell about it. Uh, so let's get to that story, shall we? Hello, Ellen. Thank you for joining us on the Grinning Idiot podcast today. 
thank you for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. Oh, you sound so nice and happy, and what I'm calling to talk to you about is so the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I am happy, yes, yes. very. Good, I know. And I'm a happy some, person. And it took some time to get there, given some of the stories that you told me. I wanted to talk to you about a very specific experience that you had many, 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 many years ago. How many years ago did this thing happen that we're going to be talking about? Uh, 23, 24. Okay. Um, will you give many us, more. will you just, I just want to turn the floor, turn the mic over to you and just say, um, will you tell us a story about this experience you have? I will. Um, first of all, for anybody listening, you're safe now. Those involved will know what I'm saying, and that's important for me to say. So you are safe now. Hallelujah. Anyway, um, many moons ago, back when there were dinosaurs, I uh, was a lay therapist in a certain state, uh, working under the supervision of a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And I took on some pretty uh, difficult clients, and one of my clients who will remain nameless, of course, was um, involved in a satanic cult. And she was high up, just like any organization. You have the, the head honchos, and then there's a hierarchy down. And she was pretty high up on that ladder. And I knew about it. Um, at the time, I didn't really believe it, but I thought, okay. And so I took her on as a patient uh, client and the supervising psychiatrist said this woman is nuts and I went okay well I'll see what I can do so a uh, long story short in fact she was involved in a satanic cult and when I say satanic cult I'm not talking about the stuff you read about with all of the you know I'm delivering babies for Satan kind of stuff Rosemary's baby I'm talking about organized crime and I'm talking about people who, in fact, worship Satan instead of God or Allah or what have you, the other side of the coin. And this woman uh, came to me trying to get out of the cult. And in so doing, she was looking for help to get her mind, body, spirit together. And so we began to meet and talk. And... Um, things, very strange things started happening. For instance, at first it was rather benign. I would go out and the battery wouldn't be in my car. Lovely. Um, and then I got some warnings, um, written warnings um, to stay away from her because the cult didn't want her to be free of the cult. And uh, because she was uh, powerful in quotes. And she knew a lot, and so they wanted her to stay right in this cult. And as she began to get healthier, she began taking steps away from some of the things that they were doing. And uh, the cult didn't like this, and so they began to come after me. Um, and so very long story short, I was kidnapped, I was tortured, um, uh, some pets were killed, um, I had... Uh, children in the home that were temporarily removed because uh, the state said it's an unsafe environment. I mean, it was Did the nightmare. police get involved, Ellen? Oh, yes. Police, private detectives, etc. Yes. And I'll never forget after I was uh, kidnapped uh, by some cult members, um, <laughs> they took me away in a white van uh -huh. and 
the police found the van with a palm print on the window, which was mine. And then they started to believe what I was saying, because at first, okay, you're as crazy as anybody else around here. Um, no, I wasn't. But anyway, uh, when they found my palm print inside this van, they began to take this very seriously. And so, yes, there were police, there were detectives, etc. How um, long did long they story, keep you when they, when they abducted you? Uh, two and a half days. Oh. And it was not a pleasant experience. Did you to think that very... you were going to be killed? Oh, yes. I did not expect to survive. No. Uh -uh. Okay. I did not expect to survive. And it was terrifying and awful and um, very um, confusing. I was drugged. It was just like a nightmare. Like you're in a nightmare and you can't wake up. Mm-hmm. And Could you, you sleep during that time at all, or not? I honestly don't know. It, it didn't seem like I did, but I can't say. Are your I memories didn't. of it vivid or not? Oh, extremely, extremely. But I don't know if there were periods of time where I slept. I can't answer that. But okay. the memories of what happened to me are just like it happened yesterday. Yes, sure. You don't forget that. You have body memories. You have mental impressions you have smells and sounds that are just there they, mm -hmm. they they're part of who i am yes mm -hmm. they don't define me but they're a part of who i am like i have the color eyes that i do so yes it's there and of course after all of that and children return to the home etc um i was a little anxious oh really <laughs> yeah i can't imagine why yeah <laughs> yeah maybe a lot anxious and at the time I was um, uh, dating somebody who made my home Fort Knox I mean you couldn't have gotten in that house with a bomb <laughs> and I still, I, I still didn't feel safe and um, I was nervous all the time and uh, frankly anxious a great deal of the time and it wasn't too long after that where uh, my sister convinced me we have to go out somewhere this is not healthy and so we went to a, uh, a place that we used to frequent, a very safe place, and uh, a white van pulled in, and I actually wet my pants. Your body I mean, just reacted. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just like, oh, my God, here we go again. Of course, it wasn't, but the trigger of the white van um, sent me into a tizzy. How long did that so take to I untangle? For that to go away? Yeah, for like seeing a white van not being a trigger. Um, I see a white van and it's a trigger. I just don't react to it anymore. I'm like, yep, so, there's so a white van. To this day, white vans still mean something to you that 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 comes up automatically. Yeah, it's like boom, white van. You're not safe, and I go, oh please, I'm perfectly safe, and I'm okay. But yes, it, the trigger is there. It's not getting triggered it's how we deal with the trigger and sure, I learned sure. to deal with the triggers and so yes I see a white van and my heart rate will go up and I'll be aware and then I talk myself down from that ledge in about four seconds but yes it'll always be a trigger some things are not Jay it's interesting because some things you would think would trigger me badly don't oh, okay. but I see a white van and I'm pretty triggered and I, I found don't that like people yeah, I found that with my anxiety disorder, they don't always make sense. It's like things, like going to see a scary movie, uh, that doesn't trigger me. 
Um, you know, oh, you, no, I love scary movies. Yeah. <laughs> you were going to say something. I interrupted you. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I don't like masks. Oh, okay. I don't like they were wearing masks? Around. Yeah. I don't like things like, I can't watch Harry Potter movies. I can. I choose not to because when a teacher turns into a cat, I'm like, oh, heck no. No, no, no. We're not doing that. <laughs> Anything that shifts and changes like that, um, I, I don't. I just don't enjoy it. I'm not having Does an that anxiety. Did that sensitivity? Like did that sensitivity predate this abduction experience? No. Okay. No. So it came up because of it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, well, let me ask you this, Ellen. Um, I know that you have recovered from it. You've already said now you can have a triggering event or a triggering, sens triggering sensation and very quickly defeat it with reality, um, which is, oh, that's not a thing. Just you know, keep moving. Um, but I'm very interested in, before you had this intimate, direct, one-on-one -on -one experience with a cult and the damage and harm they can do, did you, what did you know about the phenomenon of cult? Like, did you learn about it before because you had this client? Or did you learn about it a lot afterwards? What was that education process about what cults actually are? Um, well, it was, I learned a great deal because of this client uh, about mm -hmm. satanic cults. I, I learned a great deal from her and research and reading and you know a lot of what's out there is total hype and smoke and mirrors some of it's true and what what i came to understand in and over time about any cult not just satanic but really any cult is that people lose themselves there's no there's no ellen there's us there's no jay there's us there's no critical thinking there's no uh free agency it's like you belong to this cult that is so it takes you over it overruns your your critical thinking it overruns your sense of self it overruns your ability to say no i know this isn't right and i'm getting out of it or getting away from it and when some people do of course obviously and when they start to realize wait no no i'm not us i'm an i um they often reach out for help and they can get so they get themselves back but it's a long process because it's almost like talking to somebody uh who's programmed and some of these people are for instance black is red no actually that's black no that's red and you have to kind of undo the whole structure of us to get to the eye of the person because they've group thought for so long they don't have mm. a, a definition of self if you will I know that makes sense. Um, in your working with this person and, and in your your education, both electively and by force, um, yeah. uh, about the subject, what what is the what would you describe as the common state of mind for a person who is susceptible to becoming indoctrinated into a cult? Um, usually they're very vulnerable to needing to be included. That is a human need. We are social beings. And so we see it in grade school and in high school, the cliques. And I want to be a part of that. And so we all have that to some degree. But if you've never felt like you belonged, if you're disenfranchised in some way, you're much more susceptible to gangs, cults, and all that because you desperately need to 
belong. Remember, it's a primitive need. I'm not safe out in this wilderness by myself. I have to have my tribe. Mm-hmm. And if reasonably healthy people, we select our tribes. Sure. But sometimes we can get sucked into a tribe because they make you feel so important, so a part of this, so much needed and wanted in this uh, cult that you fall for it and you feel so good to be included because it doesn't start out in a negative way. It starts out, my God, I found my family. So it's a uh, so it's an extreme reaction to an existence uh, littered with the feeling of exclusion. Yes. That causes yeah. the ground to be fertile for this mistake, a mistake in allegiance to a dangerous group. Well, it, yes, yes, and and that need to be a part of. There's nothing wrong with that. But if the person is extremely vulnerable, they are likely to get a part of something that isn't. Uh, so good is negative, not positive. Is there is there a battle for a person in a cult? Is there a battle, uh, a conscious battle between the I voice and the we voice all the time, or is it something that can the we voice, um, the cult voice, can that become so predominant that there's no I left? In some cases, yes, yes. It can be. It depends on the individual, Jay. But yes, I've run into that. With is it a mental disorder, Ellen? Um, it's a response to trauma. Okay. So it becomes a disorder uh, because they can't say I. It's we, and it's us. And oh no, this leader says this, so it's true, even though it's not. That is not black. That is red. And we see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And no, if you say, well, this is so, and the other person has been so uh, programmed, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, to say, no, that's not so, then it's very hard to break through that programming, if you will. What do you think is the, the first step towards deprogramming you know, for the individual, not from an external point of view, not from a clinician's point of view? But for the individual, what is the first step towards, uh, is it, is it a, a recognizing that there's something out of order? What, what is the first step for the individual? Mm, no, because they, they can't recognize that. Someone who's been deeply immersed, immersed for a long time in a cult, the first step is to get them to talk about who they are. And it starts out, we are. And then we go, I got that. That's interesting. And who are you? Well, I'm, wait, no. I want to know who you are. Mm, they and, just don't well, even I'm, have that language anymore. Right. And you guide them into, well, you're a woman. You're a man. You're a person. You're a child. You're an adult. And you had a life before this. Can you tell me about that? And you start to ground them into more eye-centered so that they can see from a different perspective that they got sucked into something. It takes time mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of patience. For instance, finding out what food they liked before they went into the cult. Sure. Oh, I used to love um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm making it up, obviously. Oh, have well, you had I one? I do love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Just oh, so you know. yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, very wonderful invention indeed. And then, oh, have you had one? Um, no, not for a long time. Oh, well, I have a great idea. Let's have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. 
and just that simple thing can start to bring them back to the I as opposed to the we. So touching uh, deeply ingrained experiences or uh, desires or passions that a person might have had before the indoctrination experience, which were in, before the forfeiture of the self. Um, uh, yeah. Touching that yeah. stuff helps to pull them back. It, it helps to get them back to themselves, and then you can move them forward into their programming and out the other end of it. So connecting with who they were before the traumatizing, well, but the traumatizing event happened before, it made them susceptible to the we thinking in the first place. So the healing has to go way back before the traumatizing event. Well, yes, and of course part of that is, yeah, we all want to belong. We all want our tribe. Let's be selective about who our tribe is. And you did not know what you were getting into. You got into something you felt loved, you felt included, you felt important, and then they used you in some way. That's not the right tribe takes time, but you get them to that point where they can at least recognize that wasn't a great thing to do. That was a bad thing that happened to me. And now that I'm safe now, I can make other choices. Choice is a very powerful word with any of us, and especially with someone who's been indoctrinated. And you have to be very careful not to say, well, I don't believe you. You go, oh, really? Tell me more. Oh, okay, so you don't reject the you don't reject the person. Uh, you 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 accept all of their story, not just the not just the I story, but the we story as well. Well, yes, and there are some in quotes deep programmers that just hound away at these people, and that's re-traumatization. Mm. You know, well, I was married to Mickey Mouse. Really, tell me more about that even though you know at that not, moment that they were not married to Mickey Mouse. Of course, of course. You know, you, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't collude by saying, oh, I know you were. You say, oh, really? Well, tell me more about that. Sounds interesting or sounds frightening or Oh, I whatever. love the nuance that you don't collude. You just let them express. Yes, because you don't, you don't, I don't, if you say to me that this guy is green, unless there's a tornado, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, oh, why do you think that? Where does that come from? What's that about? Not, no, it isn't. It's blue. Right. Um, do you, in your experience and, and knowledge about the subject of cult, is there generally a central personality, even though it's a, a we mindset that the cult member enters into uh, forfeiting their own autonomy, um, is, there a, is there generally a central character calling the shots? Um, yes, there is. Yes, there, there's a, a big daddy. There's a, a ringleader. There's the, the leader of the pack. Yes, and they really are venerated. They are, you know, they have all the answers. They are the ones that are calling the shots, and you can trust them because they know all and see all. Or they're a very controversial figure. Uh, David Koresh, for instance, that was a cult, and um, people believed him. Very charismatic very outside the box, and people believed him and died for it. I mean, hello, and people who got out of that cult can tell you all kinds of stories. There are many cults, but there's, from my experience and my information is there's always a head honcho. Well, here's, yeah. a, here, here's a question. Um, so, 
how do we differentiate between, for instance, let's say a religion that is uh, established like uh, Christianity, uh, you know, a religion and a cult, how do we distinguish between those things? If you don't have free will and you can't critically think and you can't ask questions, uh, I would be very, very circumspect. Well, I would say, uh, in my own experience, um, that separating the concept of Christianity uh, from certain churches, there are certain churches that do ask those things of you, and these are things in the mainstream. Like, there are certain Baptist denominations that, uh, no, you are not supposed to think you are not allowed to believe in anything outside of the Bible. Um, and the Bible as interpreted by a leader of that church. Um, I, I just, it, it makes me think that some churches may be on the, cult, on the cult spectrum, whereas I think that ones that encourage free thought and individuality wouldn't be that. And they could also be Christian, um, you know, uh, there's a way to misuse Christianity in a way that would be sort of cult-like, isn't there? Um, yes, I think there are certain sects like David Koresh that, it, no, to me, from my opinion, my perspective, is no longer Christianity because if you're going to go strict Christianity, thou shalt have no other god before me. Well, then what are you uh, doing? So when the cult leader becomes the, in quotes, god. But actually, I have right. a, lot of, a lot of cult leaders just purport, like when you take um, uh, Guyana guy, um, French guy, what's his name? Um, Jim Jones. Um, he purported yeah, to be the mouthpiece of God, I believe. Right. Um, right. They, they rarely will say, I am God, although that I think happen. he. I think actually towards the end he might have said that. I, I recently I, watched a documentary yeah. on Jonestown, and I think, I think he evolved to that at the end. Right at the very end. Like those recordings of the creepy day where everyone killed themselves. Yes, yes. And so, yes, either the person is saying they are God or they have very godlike qualities or they are speaking for God, that kind of thing. And, you know, believe what you will, do what you will. Uh, I, if you do not have free will involved, if you can't ask questions, if you can't say, this makes no sense to me, I'm just not believing this, without repercussions, um, I would find another church or organization. Yes. Or news channel. Um, let me or, ask or you. news channel, yes. <laughs> let me ask you this. Um, uh, I, there will have to be some speculation here, but I think that yours is an informed speculation, so that's why I'm encouraging it. What, what would you say the psychological profile is most what psychological profile is most common in people who knowingly activate a cult around themselves like leaders is there a, is there a common trait in these people i would say as a sweeping generalization they're malignant narcissists with strong sociopathic tendencies that all tracks the ones that i know of uh completely but yeah. when I, it, it, the reason the question came up, Ellen, is I was thinking about Jim Jones and the documentary that I saw about his life. Um, I, I can't say it was a very good documentary. I think it's on, it might be on HBO. Um, but it, it, uh, the, I was looking for, in my recollection of that documentary, a moment in his life that would have led him to step over to this kind of behavior. 
and it just seems so gradual. It doesn't seem like there was a moment. It started with a, a small organization in a church where he became very valuable, um, and it grew to you know something criminal uh, where he had to actually flee the country in order to continue to do what he was doing. And as we all, we all know how that ended, you know, uh, we know what happened in Jonestown. And they're recordings of, you know, the final moments. Uh, you can actually yeah. hear those if you're interested. You can actually hear what it sounded like. And that would be the, the climax, the end result, the absolute worst case scenario uh, of a cult's culmination uh, is people being willing to lay down their own lives. But as I talk about that, I think of like uh, the American Revolution. I think of, I think of uh, the Civil War. Um, I think of soldiers. Uh, you know, the programming of a soldier is very much within the descriptor that you have given us about cults. Um, uh, you know, basic training is programming. You are not allowed well, to is, think outside of, of a certain context. Am I wrong about that? No, I don't think you're wrong about that, but we always look to purpose and intent. Purpose and intent. So with the military, yes, they are training people to defend and kill. And so, yes, there is an indoctrinization that goes on there. But those people will go there willingly, unless there's a draft now, for those who were drafted, big hugs, um, but I, I do feel that there's a, a difference in intention there. And if someone chooses to go into the military, then that's fine. I mean, well, that's... But this, this, uh, isn't there a similarity in that, you, you know, soldiers who, who actually see combat, they have such a hard time re-entering society, and we blame it on the combat. I'm wondering if it's not a little, uh, if there's not something else to blame there. I'm wondering if it's that they have been programmed and they don't get deprogrammed to be back in polite society again. Well, that that is the issue. It's what you just said, the deprogramming. You know, you are programmed to be, in quotes, a killing machine. And then you come back into... And how do you go to Costco and, with that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yes. And how do you reunite with your family and friends? And some do fairly gracefully and some don't. And I feel that, I hope we're not on dicey ground here, but I feel that anyone that has uh, been in the military has a right to every form of help they can possibly get when they separate. Because, yes, boot camp, and then from there on up, oh, yeah. um, and yeah. then trying to be a civilian, I think same with many of our first responders. I think they deserve all the help they can get even though they chose to go in so that they can have a more graceful uh, re-entry into civilian To find life. their baseline Not... again, to find their I-ness yeah. again. Because when you go into the military, you become a we. You, be you, you have to. You have to. To be a, you know, a, a platoon going into battle, you have got to be a we. I mean, it's, everybody's life depends on it. I'm not oh, yeah. trying to vilify, vilify the military. It's just it, it just came up when when we were talking about the the common characteristics in a cult that there are some religions and definitely the military that that require a forfeiture of the eye to some degree. Uh, I may be taking it yeah. too far, but that is that did come to mind, and I thought it was worth bringing up. 
Yeah, no, there, there's real truth to that, and that's why I'm a big believer that people in those circumstances need help to get back to civilian life and do it gracefully. You know, Ellen, I've always, I've, since I was a young adult, I've had a very complicated relationship with patriotism, because patriotism is the concept that allows people to join the military and uh, voluntarily be deprogrammed or be programmed. You know, that's patriotism is, is the reason for that. And it, there's propaganda that propagates patriotism. And we buy into it at a very young age. You know, we say, how, how often do we say the Pledge of Allegiance uh, in school? Um, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. We were told to recite this from a very young age with our hands over our hearts, standing and facing the flag. That's an act of patriotism that, that we as a society find important enough to put in the schools and have school kids do every day. My complicated relationship with it comes up when I think of, of uh, how does that affect us? Uh, what are we really giving up to be patriotic? Now, I will tell you, I have giant surges of patriotism around our country sometimes. I believe in the very best qualities of the American ideal because it is so permissive of the development of the individual. The, the idea of our country is freedom. But it has always struck me as having a built-in friction with the idea that freedom, as long as you are a patriot to this thing and don't question it too much. Now, maybe, you know, freedom of speech and everything that we do have in this country to some degree these days, um, it, 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 it is a mitigating factor. Maybe, maybe that's where it's, it's very, maybe that's a really healthy way to be a we, is to be a we but encourage individualism within the we, if that doesn't cancel it out. Do you see why that might be a little, that's a little, I've always had a very shaky relationship to the concept of, I would say, blind patriotism. It's not good because of America, because it's American. It can be good and American, but it's not good because it's American. I think that when you go to, this is good because it's American, that's when you get into trouble. That's my thought. Well, again, critical thinking, the self. I happen to love our country, and I, I think we do and are some wonderful, wonderful things. And then there are some things that we do and are that I'm not so happy or proud of. However, I get to ask questions, I get to think, I get to learn. We still have enough freedom, the word enough is in there, to be able to question, to be able to learn, to be able to listen to more than one news organization, to be able to read more than one article, get your sources from many different places so you have a broader perspective. And it is those who don't that I think are at more risk of losing themselves and entering cult-like Thinking. There are people who will hear what I just said about patriotism and be enraged and fiercely judgmental of me for the way I expressed it. They will hear that I just said I don't like America, when what I really just said was I love the idea of America, which is the same as loving America because America is an idea. Yeah, I didn't hear you say anything no, you won't. that I you found. You would not, but there are, people, there are people who would immediately become enraged by what I said, because it sounds like I'm questioning oh. the validity 
of American supremacy, which, by the way, I am. Well, yes, and I think that, you know, you again, Jay, you can critically think. You can stand outside of your love for what America could be and what America is in some ways and say, yeah, you know, there are things that I don't agree with and things that I do, and that's okay. At least so far, so good in this country, we can do that. And we take that freedom, in quotes, for granted, and we must not, because we don't want anybody so in control that we don't get to have the freedoms that we enjoy, like freedom of speech, like having this podcast and being able to say, yeah, there's a nuance there for me, etc. And I will insert here that we've become so politically correct that we've turned into liars. I don't mean you and you and I, but I mean uh, you and me. But I, I do feel that being uh, able to express myself uh, is a God-given right and also a right I have in this country. And I don't want to offend anybody, nor do I try to. But if I goof up and I say the wrong thing, then correct me. Ooh, that was offensive to me. I'm sorry. I, I, I meant no offense. Let's talk about it. That's how we need to handle things. And unfortunately, I see a lot going on that says that's not happening, and people are we're, uh, getting offended over ridiculous in my yeah, opinion. We are in a moment in this country that you know nobody would say we're in a comfortable moment in American history. You, can, you cannot say that we're in a peaceful moment amongst ourselves. We are not. We are very, very staunchly divided. What I found over the last several, well, a couple of months, it just keeps coming up for me, and it's why I wanted to talk to you about the subject of cult. Both the very far left and the very far right, more and more, are sounding culty to me. Um, and that concerns me. I, listen, Ellen, I used to be a person who, would, who was so confused by one element of the Holocaust. I always wondered there were so many more of the oppressed than there were the oppressors. How was it allowed to happen? There would have to be an evacuation of the self to do the things that were done in Germany, but I see things happening in the States right now that have explained to me how that was allowed to happen in 1938 in Germany. Um, how I, I'm seeing similarities, and I had someone, uh, a, a Facebook friend, say, I mentioned something like that, and a Facebook friend said, "Jay, you went too far," and I'm like, "No, I didn't. This is what I'm what I'm observing here is real. It is a real thing, and it is a huge mistake to write it off. That's how that's how what I will call evil is allowed to grow. It normalizes itself and is allowed to exist without questioning it. That's that's how it is allowed to grow. Otherwise, the natural instinct is to fight fight back against it. What what I have found lately." that it's a question that I don't seem to be able to answer another way, thus the reason I wanted to talk to you about what you knew about cults and your experience with them, is there are people on the far right, there's a, a small percentage of the country who will do whatever the current president says. Now, they will believe whatever he says. At least they say they believe it. Even when, to any rational organism, what is being said is false. Even if there is tape, of uh, the opposite being stated by the same person. They will just pretend that doesn't exist. And I couldn't figure out why that was happening, and it started reminding me of a cult. 
think, no matter whether it's about Trump or Jews are bad or black people are bad or Mexicans are bad or white people are bad, doesn't matter. Group think that has a leader is dangerous. Group think is dangerous anyway. And then if you have a leader and he, he or she says, oh, this is what happened, and there's direct evidence that, that is not true, and people are saying he or she didn't mean it, or he or she made a mistake, or whatever, uh, be very careful, ladies and gentlemen. Think on your own, because the minute you're just going along, I'm a person, I am not a sheep. And if you tell me that you didn't say that, and I have it recorded that you did, then if I'm in my right mind, I'm going to say, you said that. And there's so much of this denial and alternative truths and alternative facts and fake news and all this that I find it very frightening to talk to somebody who is in the group think because no matter what you say, they have an answer. And that's frightening to me. Well, I you wanna, could ask me and say, I don't know. Yeah. But that's cult. That's group thinking. I yes. want to draw on your experience. Um, here and see if we can we can before we wrap up move to a more proactive and helpful or optimistic stance about tools on the ground and dealing with where we are right now. Um, you have been through an, a personal abduction that you, with lots of work, uh, were able to regulate so that you were no longer dysregulated about it. You have healed from that. It is not gone from your experience, but you have healed from the trauma, correct? Well, I think it, it, it's a healing. I, I don't know that we are ever healed. I don't know we ever, in quotes, recover. Okay. But I do think that you get to a point where, oh, I'm triggered. Okay, I'm triggered. It's okay, because it's not happening now. And I think the way to be free is to be extremely honest with at least one person that you trust okay. and at least one person who will say, I believe you, tell me more. Because until you can put words on your experience, until you can talk your experience through, you're still lost in your own experience. Okay. Along with that, of course, is all the help that's out there available to most people, so get help. The other part of it is, no matter what happened to you, it doesn't matter what, that's not who you are, that's an experience that you had and you're not having now, thanks be to God. So when a white van pulls up in my driveway and it's um, Amazon Prime, my heart might go pitter-patter for a second, but I'm going, oh, it's Amazon Prime, for crying out loud, you're safe now. Have words that you say to yourself that ground you immediately into the now, and be able to talk about what happened to you and understand that that's an experience that you had, you are not having now. And don't forget to breathe. Breathing is a very important part of managing the physiologic response that goes along with the trigger. <laughs> yeah, I oh think gosh. that's all. That's very useful for the person, for, for all of us who are experiencing trauma around this period of time that we're in. Um, something else that I'm really keenly interested in that I think you're unique, uniquely positioned to have an opinion or, or guidance about um, is, so, Ellen, you were trained uh, through uh, real-life experience to confront someone who, had who was indoctrinated 
into uh, a we thinking that evacuated the eye and helped them to come back. Using that knowledge and that skill that you have, let's transpose that, even though it seems like a stretch, I think it might be useful to a person who is, let's say, a moderate, a moderate conservative or a moderate uh, you know, uh, liberal uh, in the country today who sees what's happening, has a similar point of view to what I'm talking about here, that it's gone, the, the extremes have gotten so extreme that they seem to be cult-like. I'm wondering how you could teach us, from your experience, how can I approach a person, uh, let's say an, a staunch Trump supporter, who says, no, the pussy tape was faked. How can I deal with a person who's willing to put forth an absurdity like that because they are so deep in we or cult-like thinking? How can I make that situation not be a stalemate anymore? Do you have any suggestions? Well, it, it really, again, the individual. But I've dealt with more than one person that was truly programmed. And one of the things, like I said, is tell me more. Why do you think that tape was faked? Oh, because blah, 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 blah. Okay, I, I hear you. Um, I'm wondering um, how they did that. Well, they lip-synced it. Oh, okay. And so do they lip-sync lip everything he says or just some things? No, just some things. Okay, so would it be safe to say that some of the things he said he might have misspoken? Or he might have said something that maybe, in hindsight, it might have been better not to say or tweet or whatever. And get them gently and respectfully to another perspective. And you do that by communication, by being as non-judgmental as possible, and not throwing your opinions around. It's very hard not to get frustrated with somebody who's saying that the, we don't, you know, we don't say, no, it isn't, it's green. We say, oh. Tell me more about that. Because if you can get them to talk, you will get them to talk ultimately about themselves and not we. Oh, okay. So you give them, so what someone in, in say, my position, which I think is a very common position to be in in our country right now. Um, so if I can put my emotionalism aside and not have to refute every lie I hear, which is the impulse I have, which is why, you right. know, my... my my lie mallet is going to have to be replaced because I've worn the one I have currently out because the lies are fast and furious all day long right now. And that, it's not a matter of opinion. This is, this is the gaslighting, I think, that I've been experiencing is uh, people with, from the other side will insinuate that that's my opinion, and it's not. There are facts in the world. I do have skin. The pussy tape was real. I'm just using that one thing as an example because everybody knows what it is, and very few people are willing to go so far as to say it didn't happen, but there is a faction that are willing to say, no, that was doctored, obviously. Um, so rather than emotionally saying, you're a fucking idiot, which is my first impulse, um, and that is strictly emotional, it might be more helpful to say, yeah, really, why do you think that? Right, and it's body language and it's tone, and why do you think that, Jay? You know, I, I'm not sharing your opinion, but I am willing to listen to what you have to say. And I'd really like to understand about you. People love to talk about themselves. 
So bring them out. Bring them but out. But it's very clear if you've out. heard any of my conversations on my podcast thus far, I always end up talking <laughs> Anyway, just admitting it because it's obvious. It's just if a flounder walks in the room wearing a top hat, I'm going to mention it. That was a flounder in a top hat. Go on. Yes. Uh, say hello to the flounder. I, I believe I believe his name is Harold, but I could be wrong. So when <laughs> we are confronted with someone who does not believe the way we do, who is believing lies, outright lies, then we know that they've lost themselves into groupthink, into cult-like behaviors and they've been gaslighted and they've been manipulated and they only listen to one news channel or only news channels that they happen to agree with encourage them as you get to know the person and you treat them with respect hey did you see this article or have you heard this i'm just wondering how that fits into what you're saying oh well, that's fake news oh my gosh really well how do you know that and get them to talk about their own experience. What did you first like about Trump or this person, this leader? What, what first was interesting or amusing or um, fascinating? Oh, well, you know, he's going to change the country, make America great again. Hmm. You know, he has changed so, the country. They are right. Yeah. You know, it's so weird because I kind of thought America was great anyway. Well, okay, but greater. Okay, okay. I, I see what you're saying. And how is he doing that? Well, he's this and that and the other. Oh, okay, and where did you see that? And get them to talk about it, but always redirecting them to why do you feel that way? Not why do we, but why do you? Well, because so-and-so told me. Oh, okay, well, you know what would be really fun and I'd love to do with you? Let's research that. You come up with your stuff, I'll come up with mine, and we'll compare notes. But get them to talk about themselves and their own experience, because if they can get back to themselves, they begin to think again instead of parrot. I have, an, I have a little bit of a rabbit hole here, Ellen. See if, I want to see if you have any perspective that can help me with it. Um, we're, we're talking about the dangers of giving yourself completely over to we thinking. Right. But... What I would, I don't believe we can have a country without we thinking. How do we thread that needle? Well, we can have a we in a safe, critically thinking way. We can have, I am an American, that is a we. I belong to a group called Americans. Yes, okay, that's fine. But that doesn't, that doesn't erase who I am and what I learn and what I think. Anything that erases you is dangerous. Don't cookie cutter yourself. Really keep your own thoughts going. Keep your own mind in it. Don't let your mind be taken over by any one person, whether you're a pro or, or, or anti-Trump person. Really be open-minded and keep you in it because People get erased, and then they're very vulnerable to any kind of groupthink, cults, etc. And so I have a I have a hair trigger response to you saying be open minded. It's like I wanted to interrupt and say, but not to lies. I'm so hair trigger about that right now that it's very challenging to stay open minded. Well, I understand that, but these people are believing lies. And the worst thing you can do is say, that's a lie, that's stupid. You know, how can you believe that hogwash? 
Well, they do. And so whether we can understand why they do or how they do becomes irrelevant. And we also have to accept we're not going to change everybody. But if someone is willing to talk with you about your differences and you can stay respectful, that is being open-minded to that. That's the key. Experience. That's the key right there. Um, what people in my position, yeah, we lose our respect for the other person's humanity so quickly right now. Uh, I'm guilty of it myself. Um, sometimes I'm better at it than others, but that is the key, isn't it? When we lose the respect for the other person's humanity, we are done as a country. Well, then you're into groupthink. Yep. Is it groupthink? Wait, I, I agree with that too quickly. I want to argue it out a little. Um, a fact is a fact, but, and I can recognize one, and I don't need a group to tell me that. Right. One and one is two. And we if you all say agree to on me, that. Right. So, but if you say to me, well, one and one is three. Well, in consensual reality, one and one is two. Well, one and one is three. Okay, tell me more about that, Jay. I have trouble understanding that because I've always thought one and one is two and so forth. Bring them out about how they think and why they think that way. And you will discover, if you stay with it long enough with an open mind, that you can find out what's making them tick and from there you can really get them back to themselves here's something i'm gonna i'm gonna add something really it's a little cynical here but i want to bring it up because it, i think it's an obvious problem in this idealistic uh conversation i mean both you and i want the country to heal um you know very much so um but i can't deny this as a fact um I don't believe that uh, a cult member um, can be helped if they don't think they need help. Am I wrong? Um, well, it's not about thinking that they don't need help. It's are they open to a conversation. You are not helping them in, in a Trump situation, if you're talking about Trump supporters. Um, you are not helping them. You're engaging them in a conversation that may help them. But you're not there to sway them to your opinion. You're there to understand why they think the way they do and how they think the way they do and what happened to them that made them vulnerable to believing that one and one is three. And that, so, so the key is compassion, period. Yes, because I'm sure that people who do support Trump um, need compassion just as much as you and I do. Sure, no, they're human beings, and I'm am fully aware of this. And you know, I'm using myself right. as an example in hopes that it mirrors enough people who may be listening, uh, so that they, first of all, they can know they aren't alone if they're struggling with this stuff. Um, you know, I have friends who uh, aren't struggling with it; they just hate these people. And I've had days or hours where that was just my whole story. I, didn't, I did not have compassion for them. That is not my natural state. Uh, my idealism is not dead. It has just gone dormant because it did not feel safe. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, Jay, we all want to think that we are, um, you know, we have it right. And yes, one and one is two, and the lies that are being spread around like peanut butter are nauseating, and I agree. However, people who believe the lie don't 
look at it from our perspective. So if we can have patience and compassion for those who think differently, whether it's Trump or anything else, and not have to barge in with we're right and we have it all figured out and they're just idiots, that's really bad. Let me that tell you, let me tell you how this manifests. And it's, it's definitely not the spiritual bullseye, but it was something I felt I needed to do. I developed a zero tolerance policy for the lies. So if I'm on Facebook or whatever, I can overlook somebody casually supporting Trump or whatever. I can scroll past that. Stating a lie as a fact, I will stop and confront them. And not nicely either. I will, well, sort of neutrally, but to them, disagreeing with them is an act of uh, psychological violence. So me saying, no, that is not true. And that's where I will start. And then it will get personal very quickly. But I try to just go, it should not be comfortable in our current society for those views to go uncontested. And that, you know, that maybe that's the problem with the limitation of social media like Facebook is that you can't get too detailed. Maybe that's why it doesn't work very well there. But I, I did develop a zero tolerance policy for the gaslighting. And it was for myself, honestly. It was just like, I no, stop it. I'm not going to believe as you do on this particular thing. It's provably untrue. No. And it should not be comfortable for you to spout it as truth, and I'm not going to let it be comfortable. I'm going to confront it. Do you think that's very off? Is that is that really a total lack of compassion on my part? Well, I don't think it's a lack of compassion. I think it's, you know, one and one is two. Don't try to tell me it's three. But... What I'm trying to say is tell me why you think that one and one is three. That's a more I want fertile way of going about it. Yes, I, I want to know why you think what you do. I'm not going to lie and erase myself and say, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm going to say, I don't understand, but I'm willing to talk. I'm certainly not going to call you an idiot because you're not an idiot, um, and therefore I'm not going to do that. And your opinion is as valid as mine. Mm. When you say one and one is two, I mean one and one is three, I am going to say that is not my experience, and I can prove to you that one and one is two. But is proving it as important as developing a connection and understanding other people who think differently and believe differently than we do so that we can bridge this gap mm and have more critical thinking going on, have more of an ability to have a conversation, because I contend that one of the things that's happened here is we can't even have a conversation. People get so heated that a conversation can't even take place. I get very heated very quickly. Yeah, and so it's difficult not to, but I believe there's merit in listening and finding out what is this person about, what why do they believe what they believe? What has their experience been? What can I learn from their perspective that I don't now know? And maybe nothing, but maybe a whole lot. Not that I would agree, but maybe I could understand better what the heck is happening. Well, I think that and we can, I'll... even though the where these people have arrived at the moment, these people who are very culty right now, maybe where they've arrived is not to be understood, but how they got there can always be understood. And having compassion for what brought them to want a dictator can be understood. That doesn't mean it has to be supported, but maybe we cannot right. discount them for their genuine story. 
people's stories are right. their stories. You know, and I've always said everybody makes sense once you know the whole story. That doesn't exactly. mean that you like them, but it does mean that you can understand them. And with understanding, compassion can come back into the picture. And then I think we could have a country that works. Well, right. If we're so divided between all of because of all of this, which we are, that makes us very vulnerable. Whereas if we can say, okay, I want to understand because I don't, tell me about you, tell me why you believe this, et cetera, all the things we've talked about, then we can at least have a conversation. It doesn't mean we agree. It means we can have a conversation, and maybe I will understand better where you're coming from, and you will understand better where I'm coming from, and maybe we can find some middle ground that isn't groupthink, and that's progress. It's not the solution, but it's progress. I think it's the and beginning of the solution. I think it's the beginning yep. of the solution. We don't need yeah, to I all agree with everything uh, in this country, to have a country. We do have to agree on foundational truths, and those have been eroded. Uh, Ellen, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I think it is genuinely valuable to what we're going through right now. And though it may seem hyperbolic to go to the word cult, I think that sometimes hyperbole is the truth. I think that, that we are dealing with a cult-like mentality right now. And I think that your experience and, and having dealt with that and your intimate knowledge of it can be really valuable. It has been to me, honestly. Uh, in this conversation, I feel like I picked up a couple of really valuable tools, not easy ones to use, but ones that are worth understanding. Oh, thank you, Jay. I found that conversation really enlightening. I hope you did, too. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to send me an email. Howdy at grinningidiot.com is the email address you can use. That's H-O-W-D-Y at grinningidiot.com. Don't miss a single episode of the Grinning Idiots podcast. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or catch us on SoundCloud. If you subscribe in any of those places, you won't miss a single episode. I really want to thank you for tuning in today and for your continued support. Otherwise, I'd just be this guy talking in his living room in Los Feliz, which, frankly, I would be doing anyway. I hope you guys have a good week. Till next time, this is Jay Floyd. <laughs>